0: What's up, everyone? What's up? This is Miles Monroe Jr. Welcome to the new episode of the Miles High podcast. As you know, for the goal and, and purpose of this pod is to entertain, educate, and elevate you miles high above your fears, your doubts, and any limitations that you may think exist, always knowing that those limitations only exist in your mind. All right. We got a good pod today. I know I say that all the time, uh, but every time I say it, I do mean it. And this part is especially good today because I have a, ge- a great friend of mine on the pod. Uh, he is a successful businessman. He's an Olympian. He's an Olympic medalist. He's a Bahamian national superstar. He's the, 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 the <laughs> Bahamian dream. I want to welcome to the pod, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Andretti Bain. Let's clap him up, guys. Thanks
1: for having me, bro.
0: Welcome, Jerry, Welcome, man. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Uh, First of all, how are you? How are things, man?
1: Man, I'm good. Busy, but good.
0: Busy is always good. Busy is good. Yeah. Uh, so I've known Dreddy for quite some time. You know, Dreddy is a Bohemian, born and raised in the Bahamas. Uh, used to know or used to hear of Dreddy when I was back in high school. But he and I didn't really connect until we went off to college. Both Dreddy and I attended All Roberts University. Um, but like I said, we didn't know each other prior to, go, prior to going to R. Roberts University. And, you know, it's just, it's a different type of bond when you meet a Bahamian who you probably, you know, or meet anyone from your home country that you didn't really know um, at the time, but y'all connected, you know, outside of the country. Uh, it's a different type of friendship, different type of bond that you guys uh, build. And that's what Dreddy and I were able to do. And he, he and I have been rocking for quite some time. And I've, I've seen his, uh, his progression in life, both with his athletic career and his professional entrepreneurial career. And I think this makes for a great conversation. And the the topic that I wanted to discuss that we'll be breaking down today it's simply staying on track. Now it is a play on words. You know, my guy Dreddy is a track athlete, track and field athlete, um, and staying on track is actually I think a testament to his story. To be quite honest, and I think as we as we unpack um, his. His story and all of the uh, obstacles and, and and things that he went through, I think you'll get a good sense of of why staying on track is key. Okay, so first, ready let's let's tell the audience about yourself, man. Let's let's give a little history uh, about you.
1: Born and raised, born and raised here in Nassau, Bahamas. It was always a dream. It was always a goal of mine to be a professional track athlete. I developed that dream. or... Basically, came to that realization at the age of five. Mm-hmm. I remember being in primary school and trying out for every sport, and there was no sport that I was ever interested in outside of track and field.
0: Now, this interested or no sport you was ever good at, because well, people saying I yeah. believe
1: that my interest <laughs> determined my skill level. Right? <laughs> um, honestly, man, I you know I did enough just to get by, in all the other sports but track and field, I made it a point to be great at that. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact. I had an uncle who used to run college track. And every she was every day, mm-hmm. my neighbors and I we'd get in trouble because I'm taking out his ribbons and his medals and his trophies. We have it outside in the yard and you know, we have an award ceremony at the end of every
0: every race. Every race,
1: race right? And that became something that I, I just I just saw the focus for that. And going through school during career days. All of my friends would say they wanted to be doctors, lawyers, et cetera, et cetera. And my answer was always, I want to be a track athlete.
0: Mm-hmm. And you knew that from early, early on.
1: Early. I used to get teased about it. You know, my friends, they'd rather even run around circles for the rest <laughs> of his life, right? And But that never discouraged me. That's all I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I knew not how to even become a professional. As far as I can say, you just keep running until you stop losing and mm-hmm. then... Right. You you just make it to the Olympics and what's not. Yeah. And so track and field has always been a part of me. I felt like it it has defined my life um, from very early on. And it took getting older mm-hmm. that I had to realize that I was more than just track and field. Mm-hmm. Um, especially once I started to make that transition from being a professional athlete into other areas of my life. There was a real depressing time where Track isn't going good, and I feel like my life isn't going good, mm-hmm. you know. And so track and field has always been a major part of me. And, um, you know, I use it as an opportunity to reach people. Mm-hmm. I always felt like it said that it has established my platform or a stage for me to be a witness for the things that I believe in and the things that I try to encourage. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so you know, I I I and I can attest to that, right? Because I've seen you know the the profession of track and field like take you a lot of places, and and that's kind of what I want this conversation to be about today. But let's let's start with so you were in, in high school in the Bahamas, you were one of our top national athletes, right, from high school, um, and you had an opportunity to go to All Roberts University. Now, All Roberts University isn't really you know, a, a, a university that an aspiring Olympian would say, I want to go to, right? It's, it's not one of those top schools for, for track and field. So so, so so tell me, how, like, where, where did all Roberts University come from? Like, how, how did that happen?
1: So my high school uh, PE coach, one day he showed up to school with three scholarship papers mm-hmm. for myself and two of my friends. And he says, this is a full scholarship to All-Roberts University. Well, you guys already had a full scholarship at the time. So he apparently did all that work behind the scenes, right? For me, you know, I wanted to go to University of South Carolina. Mm -hmm. That was like my top choice. I wanted to go to University of Nebraska. I was looking at major schools. And then when I got this scholarship offer from ORU, I started doing my research. And the only thing that was coming up from ORU was your dad, (laughs) Miles Monroe, right? (laughs) So... To me, I was like, bro, like I want to be an athlete. I don't want to be a pastor. Where are you going with this? Um, And I remembered I kept holding off and holding off, not wanting to sign. And finally, I felt like I was coming down to the deadline. And I was like, South Carolina, not returning my calls. You know, they kept telling me, okay, we got to wait. We got to see. And Nebraska offered a deal, but you know, it probably maybe 50%. Yeah, it wasn't a full ride. It wasn't a full ride. And I felt like with the talent that I had, mm-hmm. I was deserving of a full ride. Mm-hmm. And so I remember the day when I signed, two other buddies signed, and we're excited that we're going to ORU. And then all of a sudden I got a call the next day saying South Carolina has just, everything got cleared up and they're sending the scholarship papers for me. You were
0: getting a full ride to South Carolina? That's what I was going to get. Oh, wow.
1: And at that point, I had already signed O.R.U., so I went to Kinsey and I said, hey, listen, those scholarship papers I signed for you, right? Like, let's rip that up, you know? (laughs) And to him, it was more or less "Hey, it's too late. Mm -hmm. And so I had to forego the opportunity to go to South Carolina. And and mind you, that was word of mouth. Like, I never got the actual scholarship papers from South Carolina, but I got the call that, hey, they're interested. Now we could start finalizing Mm -hmm. the terms. Mm -hmm. And long story short, I ended up at ORU and um, man, it's been a journey from day one.
0: So that's what I want to, I want to talk about this journey. So I, you know, Jerry and I connected at, on the campus of Oral Roberts University, uh, became really good friends to, uh, you know, there's, you know, I'm sure anywhere, like any uh, person that's not from America that goes to school in America, if, if you meet a, a fellow student that's from your country, like you guys, just naturally gravitate towards each other. And that's what all the Bahamians did on the campus of ORU, right? So Dreddy and Jerron and and, and Tyrone, which is his other two friends, and, you know, a number of other Bahamians uh, that were from the Bahamas that came to ORU, like all of us kind of just connected with each other. You know, we would slam dominoes, you know, every other night or every night, play some spades, Uh On weekends, we would, you know, go by one of our friends' house and, like, cook and, like, just, you know, just be together and enjoy uh, a fellow Bahamian's company. So, you know, I've seen Dreddy's Dreddy's story play out, right, and all the things that he's about to discuss and we're about to unpack when it comes to um, developing uh, into who he is today, right? And, you know, so let's let's start with... um, so once you got to ORU, uh, that first year wasn't didn't go as planned, right? Uh, I know the story, but I'm gonna gonna let you uh, share that with 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 our audience.
1: So pulled up there, beautiful campus, great connection from the start with you guys. You know my, you know all of all of our BIM in France. friends, but instantly I saw that track was not the focus. Mm-hmm. For sports, basketball was the focus. Mm -hmm. Um, But just in general, from the university's perspective, it just didn't feel like track was the focus. The expectations of my teammates, uh, you know, they were just glad to be there competing at the collegiate level. Mm -hmm. No one truly had those aspirations of becoming a professional athlete. And, um, you know, from the first month, I went and I told the former head coach, I said, I don't think this is the place for me," mm-hmm. he says. "Why?" I said, "Because my goal is to become a professional athlete, and I don't think that a warrior is going to be conducive uh, for my level of success or for the level of, level of success that I see myself attaining." And like any coach or anyone, he would say, "Son, like you have a lot of work to do," which was a reality check for me, mm-hmm. because even though I came out as the top junior athlete. Um, coming out of the Bahamas and probably third coming out of the Caribbean. Only at that time behind you seeing Bolt and another quarter Jamil James who went to South Carolina.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, for me, it was still a ways to go mm-hmm. to be, because if you could become an NCAA champion, you basically at a professional level. Sure. And so, you know, coach said, listen, <laughs> kid, keep dreaming, but you have a lot of work to do. And so I took that as a challenge. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it still wasn't where I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. What made matters worse is that same full scholarship that myself and two of my friends received a month into school, we were told that due to some technicality that the scholarships would not be able to kick in until the following year, which meant that we would have to pay our school fees for that year.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So all of a sudden I'm thinking, <laughs> man, like if I can pay my school fee for a year, ORU was in the school. that was <laughs> going <laughs> to do that. Right? And so I think for me, that was the nail in the coffin. It, it obviously was that for my two other buddies. Cause at that point, you know, ORU, it was a dud for them. Mm-hmm. They wanted to leave. And, um, Went through that first year and that was a very, I think that was the year that actually defined how true I believed in my dream of Mm -hmm. becoming a professional athlete. Wasn't allowed to train with with the team. Mm -hmm. And as a matter of fact, had to wait until the team had completed training in order to be able to access the facilities to train. Wasn't allowed to travel with the team, anything like that. And so I found myself working out at night eight, nine o'clock at night by myself. My buddies would come in. They would do their workouts. And then when it came time to travel in for track meets, I had to take on those expenses and just that responsibility myself. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the team, those guys were leaving probably for track meets at eight o'clock, nine o'clock in the morning on the team bus. They drive straight to the meet. They go and they compete. I entered to compete at those same meets. But I had to get up five o'clock in the morning, catch a Greyhound into two different cities and then to get into where I needed to be Mm -hmm. and then hop off the Greyhound, compete and then do that all back again or hope that you guys would have driven down to that meet Mm -hmm. so that we could get a drive back up. Right. And so I had to go through all of that. And in the midst of that, I actually became the first Bahamian junior athlete to qualify and compete at a senior championship meet. And that was the World Indoor Championship. This was, year.
0: This in, was in your in your first year. In my first
1: performing. year at you
0: Going through all of that, still able to be able to perform on right. the track. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: Now that summer, because we would have completed that year of school. So, so
0: so before you before you move on, you you, you know, you were faced with a, a decision, right? Because you lost your scholarship for that first year. And then you weren't, so you weren't able to uh, run with the team. You was running on a tax. You had to cover your own expenses. And then you had a conversation with your dad. Cause I think you, you call your dad and he was like, yo, your dad, I, I, uh, I'm I, out. Yeah. I don't think I could stay I, I up. Or are you in place yeah. for me? And your dad told you something, um, that encouraged you to say, well, he didn't really force you, but it was more of an encouragement. Let's, let's talk about that conversation.
1: Yeah. So, and it was a forced encouragement. You'll see why, right? So obviously I I spoke to my mom and, you know, my mom says, like any mom, right? If, if, yeah, if you don't want to be there, then don't be there, right? And, you know, I started doing everything. I started saying I was going to move to Jamaica to train. Mm -hmm. Um, As a matter of fact, I went and I visited again, University of South Carolina. Paid my own way, went there unannounced. Went to the coach, hey, coach, I believe that I can be an NCAA champion and professional athlete. Things didn't work out at OIU for the first year. I still have my four years of eligibility. I would like to come and be a member of the team. Mm -hmm. And, of course, I'm sure they're hearing that every day, all day from athletes, right? You brushed it off. Yeah, you brushed it off. Hey, kid, thanks for coming to visit, but we got to get back to practice here. (laughs) I wish you all the best, right? (laughs) And for me, I went back home that summer. And the false encouragement was, son, I understand what you're saying about not wanting to go back to ORU. They haven't achieved the things that you said that you want to achieve. He said, but why don't you be the first to make it happen? there? Mm -hmm. Rather than allowing the environment there to determine your success, why don't you just you you create that level of success. You show them that it can be done there. And then after that, he says, yes, your ticket to go back to Tulsa. You decide to use it. That's you. But if you don't, I'm not buying you a ticket to go anywhere else. So that's where the forced encouragement came, you right? To
0: cover your own costs.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. And so finally, coming down to the the, the travel date, I realized that nothing else worked out, mm-hmm. and the only thing on the table was turning to turn into who are you.
0: And you know, I I think that's, that's, that's such a profound moment, right? Because w- what your dad did there was he he was like, okay, I know this is the perspective and mindset that you're coming to me with. But let me try and change that mindset. Don't look at it as, you know, everything isn't working out. Everything isn't going the way you want it to go. Look at it as, okay, this is a situation I'm, I'm I'm stuck with or I'm presented with. Let's try and be the first person to make it out of this particular situation. Let's look at it as a challenge. Let's look at it as something that if I overcome, like I can set the tone for for individuals behind me, right? Absolutely. And and I think like the mindset we have in going to going into a lot of the challenges that we face in life is the first thing that we need to check, right? Not really looking at it from a negative sense because it could be a difficult, it could be a challenging situation, but your perspective and the mindset that you have on it is is important. And I and I think that's what that's what your dad helped you out with though.
1: Absolutely. So that helped to shape my mindset. I had to honestly look at so I, I had to embrace that challenge. And so after returning, I said I had a great conversation with the, with the former coach, Joe Dahl, the name. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously he's wanting me to see the positive in it. And he says, Andretti, now your four years of eligibility will end in 2008, which is the Olympic year. Mm-hmm. And this is a conversation that we're having in 2004. He says, not only will that be a prime year for us to qualify for the Olympics. But in the classroom, you would graduate with your bachelor's in 2007. He said, I will pay for you to do your master's through a grad assistant program where you could re- continue to run your final year. And so you could start your master's and let's just work towards that. Mm. So that was the plan, right? Mm. So obviously I had to buy into that. And I would be lying if I said I didn't doubt at sure. times. Sure. Because it still didn't feel like anything was changing. You couldn't see it happening. Right, At of RU. Mm -hmm. Now I knew the work that I was putting in. I knew each season the coach started to believe more and more and more and more in how serious I am about achieving the school. And so, you know, it got to the point where through the four-year process of being a freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, um, and then also even just to piggyback on that and to connect our relationship. Mm-hmm. So after Tyrone and Jerome had left that first year, now that second year, I'm finding myself like, wow, like I really came up here because I was going with to be your with voice. my buddies. Yep. Right. And I think that was the time when, uh, yourself and I and Jean and I and all the Jamalos, like we really connected mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because you guys were helping me get kind of through that through, that through that period. Yeah. Right. And so going through the, through my four years and just to fast forward through those years and the progression of those years. So my first year competing officially for ORU, I qualified for the NCAA championships, mm-hmm. but I didn't make the cut. Mm-hmm. The next year, I qualified for the championships, competed at the championships, but I did not make it into the final. Mm-hmm. That in itself was starting to be celebrated by ORU, right? Sure. Because.
0: They ain't never had an athlete. Yeah,
1: really, most athletes don't do that. And we had a few who made it that far.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so that was great. Mm-hmm. The next year, I qualified. So this would be my third year. I qualified, made it to the championships. I made it into the final, but I came eighth in the final. Mm-hmm. Now, or are you? You know, in the collegiate system, you're good. all American, yeah. right? For me, that still wasn't good enough because in the Bahamas, if you come eight, you last. <laughs> but first, it's not, looking at it, as like, this dude is the eighth best in the world. So be,
0: say, you can... go going all the way there to come last. <laughs> so I can be honest with you, you say, you come eight just now? And then my mother is like, that means you come, yeah. <laughs> you, <go>, you come hot <laughs> last. That's
1: <laughs> right. You know, we do it all the time. Even at the Olympics and World Champs, right? Mm-hmm. They say, boy, they are going all the way there. use all our money to come last, but not realize You're it.
0: the top eighth athlete in, in the world. Right, absolutely. right? And so, Going
1: into my final year, man, I had such a level of focus and determination that I was going to make it happen because this was my only shot to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And my dad had told me, he said, Andretti, as we were going through these years, he said son, focus on your education. You have a lot of time to do track and field, get your degrees. Then I'll help support you as best as I can mm-hmm. with life. with mm-hmm. track.'" And so in 2007, I went ahead and I completed my bachelor's and now I'm, In this final year of eligibility. So I'm starting my master's. Mm -hmm. That in itself was a challenging time because the way that ORU's master's program is set up is that all the master's classes are in the evening.
0: evening,
1: The evenings is when the team trained. So I found myself back to where it was my freshman year, where Mm -hmm. I had to train on my own. And at that time, things became full circle because the same high school coach, Brunel, who got me the scholarship to go to ORU, came up to Tulsa and he was given a grad assistant job to help kind of, you know, you coach me along while coach had to be with the team and I had okay. to train in the mornings, right? And so I went there and I came home that summer and right before leaving for school, I went to the straw market here in Nassau and I got me a Bahamian armband, something that has the Bahamian flag and says the Bahamas. Mm-hmm. I think this birthed the Bohemian dream for me. Mm-hmm. I went and I got a large beach towel of the Bahamian flag. Trust
0: me, I remember that beast of right.
1: And then I, I and then I got me a bandana uh, with the Bahamian flag, and I said that I will take this with me to every track meet.
0: He sure did, and dude.
1: showcase the Bahamas.
0: Absolutely. At
1: that point, I went. Uh, when once I returned to ORU, I got an additional two armbands. One that said "Expect a miracle," and the other one that said "Something that is going to happen to you."
0: And all of this going into your final. All this year going year into year, my, year,
1: my final year. year. Yeah, yeah. So this was like. Um, September of 2007
0: okay so let's I want you guys to listen to this setup right so he's preparing to go into his final year um, did all of these things in preparation for that year and and let's let's talk about what happened that year
1: and so everything was going great I was training I'm talking about going above and beyond um, testing through training everything was just lining up we had a test in in November and what I had run,
0: Like a time trial, Yes, a time trial. Mm
1: -hmm. What I had ran, we knew that if I could stay healthy, I could become the NCAA champion. Mm -hmm. And I told coach, I said, coach, season doesn't start until January. This is November. I said, I'm ready. This is going to be the year. And we went, went to the track meets, all that stuff like that. And a month before the indoor nationals ran, at that time, the collegiate world lead in the 400, came back in the 4x4, pulled my quad. Mm. And I'm like, oh, man, that's the story of my life. Mm. These injuries, you know? And the injury was so severe that it dramatically affected or drastically affected my training Mm. or my ability to train. And so I worked out with the girls for the next few weeks, uh, literally behind the line with the girls. Mm. At that point, Coach says, only thing we could do is just try to maintain some level of fitness. We go to the NCAA meet. We see how you feel. And if if you can't compete, then we leave it alone. Mm-hmm. And so during this entire time, I was still able to make it into the meet because the world in time, the collegiate in time that I ran still went into NCs as the fastest time that year.
0: Oh, and I don't think we highlighted the the event that you ran. So you're a 400 meter Correct. runner. Correct. Right. 400 meters. Mm-hmm.
1: And so... Coach told me, we piggyback. We the night before the NCAA meet. Hey, Andretti, you know, your check-ins. How do you feel? Coach, I still could feel my quad. Mm-hmm. He says, okay, do um, you think you could be able to compete? I said, I'll try. You know, I'll go through my drive phase, which is first five steps, mm-hmm. hard steps. If I could feel the quad, then I'll stop. If I don't feel the quad, then I'll just see, what, keep, keep, see what's happening. Yep. And so he said, "Okay, now, if you continue to go, he reminded me of a race my freshman year with the team, running the 400-meter hurdles at conference championships. I hit the first hurdle, fell, slid off the track. At that point now, I got up, looked around. Because at this point, I'm trying to figure out what to do. Mm. And I just decided to start running again. Ran down everyone won that race at that point i should have been disqualified Mm -hmm. and the coach says but with that effort we cannot it's not fair to disqualify this kid because Mm -hmm. i think it is so profound i think it speaks a message to absolutely what we want from from our athletes in our conference and so he said you remember the fight that you had in that race this is the level of fight that you would need to have and so i went there Said my prayers as I do before at the start of every race. And I said, five steps, and if I feel it, then I'm going to stop because it's a long season preparing for the Olympics. And I went there, one, two, three, four, five, and honestly, I felt my quad. Mm-hmm. And something said, try for six, seven, eight, nine, and ten. And each additional step I took, I felt that quad less and less and less and less and less. Mm-hmm. And ended up, even before that, I told Coach, hold my bandana. Mm-hmm. Because if I get through this race, I can win it.
2: Yeah.
1: If I, if you see me continue this race, I'm going to win it. And man, um, I went through that race and I ended up winning the race, becoming ORU's first NCAA champion. Indoors. Indoors. Yep. And, you know, coach, obviously, they in amazement because he's like,
0: like this shouldn't. is what
1: you spoke about in 2003. Yep. It's 2008. Yep. This is what... You know, all that we went through, you losing your scholarship, all that stuff like that. Like, wow. Right. And, you know, what I realized during that race is the life lesson for me was I had to get out of my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Comfort zone was, hey, and I have every right, deservingly so. Those first five steps, I felt that pain. Mm -hmm. The comfort, getting out of my comfort zone was pushing beyond those five steps.
0: Pushing past the pain.
1: Correct. Mm -hmm. And so... Man, one of the greatest joys afterwards was when this coach from South Carolina.
0: <laughs> Come up to you and <laughs> and he said. You remember? I remember.
1: <laughs> the coach from Nebraska came to me and he said, you are going to be one of the biggest regrets I have in my coaching career mm-hmm. because I never believed. Mm-hmm. And this is five years later. Now, I know
0: they got to feel good though.
1: Absolutely. Right? <laughs> As a matter of fact, I almost intentionally walked past that right? <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, and so... So, but that was the start of it. Yeah. Now in, in college track, you know, there's the outdoor season. Right.
0: So it's a whole technically season. A whole a new season. season. Yep. Right. the outdoors. Correct. Mm-hmm. So
1: now I'm feeling good. I'm feeling confident because I'm thinking, hey, if I could become NCAA champion coming off in an injury, then outdoors it I should definitely be should win. I definitely should qualify for the Olympics. Yep. So at that time, the coach said, hey, now we need to – get you stronger to finish mm-hmm. because you're going to start competing now with a lot more, you know, seasoned Seasons. athletes, yep, yep. right? Mm-hmm. And he says, we, we need to get you stronger. Your finish needs to be stronger. So we started most college coaches, or coaches in general, you pull a sled, a weighted sled and you would pull that probably for about 30 meters, maybe some may go to 50. Mm-hmm. We were pulling that through 150. Oh. Everyone looking at us is like, what are they doing? Mm. But we knew what we were working towards. And so much so that it was a gamble that none of the other teammates were able to do it. And but we kept working towards that. And we went into one of the outdoor meets and I had gotten beaten. Now, of course, there's a little confidence, you know, diminisher, because yeah. I'm like, geez, come on. Come on, to be taking a beat right now. <laughs> and um, and this guy who beat me was from a prestigious school, like one of the schools you would want to go to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he didn't beat me because I had a bad race. I actually pr I ran my personal record and he still beat me. Mm-hmm. And then we came back and Brunel at the time says, bro, how you feel? I said, but like, honestly, like I gave him my, like I threw my knockout and my knockout punch at him,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and that didn't phase him. And Brunel says, you know what? You're a two time NCAA champion. He said, from here on out. That's you what we, two time NCW and again. Champion. That's
0: where we get back to mindset, right? You 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 you're met with a defeat, met with something that you didn't anticipate, and there's someone again speaking into you Correct. the way you should be looking at the setback that you have. Like, Absolutely. Let's not focus on the setback, let's focus on what the goal is. Correct. Right?
1: And so and so, you know, so I'm still, you know, I'm still being celebrated throughout school. Uh still you know, because I'm the big man on campus still, right? It's time I say my boys didn't leave, man. <laughs> you know, this is a good time where I would like to share in this with everybody. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, continued going through the season, kept working. And then we went to the NCAA championship meet for outdoors. We had three rounds to run. The first round, convincingly, you know, I was in control of that round, felt great. Mm-hmm. The semifinals came around and, um, the guy from Baylor who beat me, Lajeral Bettis, He and I were in the same semifinal round, and that's something that you, as an athlete, you never really want to be that
0: early. That early, yeah. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Especially that's less than 24 hours before the and
0: final. I, I why I hate when they do that though. Like yeah. why? But, it, but It's, it's an intimidating draw, right? Uh, okay.
1: And plus, outside of Lajeral and I, there were uh, there were about three other guys mm-hmm. who were also running really well. They so the they rig? control their semifinals, got you, right? got you. Got you. And so we went there, and of course, it's like, okay, well, now I got to show him that, you know, when he beat me a month ago, I saw so that that was a fluke. Mm-hmm. And so we went there, and boom, I ran another PR. This time, still coming second to LeGerald. Mm-hmm. And he's easing off and showboating, and it's like, wow. And my coach, college coach came to me right after the race. He says, you could win this race. He said, I've been watching both times that LaGerald beat You i have been watching these guys compete. He says, you're not aggressive enough through your first part of the race. They're not stronger than you. All the work that we've been doing with our sleds, you have the strength, but I need you to trust your strength and go a whole lot faster. And he gave me a time. He says, I want you to go in 21-2. Mm. Um, I'm like, coach, actually he said 21-1. I said, you know, that that's my all-out PR. He says, yeah, <laughs> but if you want to win,
0: that's what it takes. That's what
1: it takes. Yeah. So I got back on the phone with Brunel, and I says, hey, Mr. plan." He says, how do you feel? I said, bro, like, dude, just beat me again. Like, we have 12 hours now to recover.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He says, you're the two-time NCAA champion. Mm-hmm. He said, NCAA finals, and it's won tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You're the two-time NCAA champion. And so... You know, I'm debating between the new strategy with coach and, you know, like that's suicidal, you know, and I, you know, speaking to to even my brother-in-law at the time, he says, Andretti, that gamble to try and win could lead you actually come in last Mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And so, (laughs) and so for me, honestly, I said, this is my final shot. I have to do it. And so my prayer before the race, was, Lord, I'm gonna do my part. I'm gonna go as hard as I can, and I'm trusting on you to bring me home. Mm -hmm. And so the race gun went off, took off, and coming out of my dry phase, like those first five steps, there was a tendency to pull back and get into that relaxed mode to save up for a finish. And at that point I said, I have to go. And I just remember just going. Mm -hmm. And coming to the top of the key to the turn, I felt like I was in control. And hitting the home stretch, I realized that I'm in the front. Mm. And it came to mind what my coach says, if you hit this home stretch in front, you will win. And so I'm trying to get to this finish line now, obviously, and I'm starting to hear and see athletes pull up on mm. me. And going right to the line, I remember seeing the guy from University of South uh, Cal- Southern California, Lionel Larry, he... I saw him coming up, and we both dipped for the line. And for me, I just was like, okay, get to that line, dip. It took a while for them to figure out it was a photo finish. Mm-hmm. I ended up winning in the photo finish, and what was the difference between me winning and him losing?
0: Him looking at was you. <laughs>
1: that during the photo finish, my head was down on my lane, and his was, his was looking across at me. Had he mm-hmm. probably done the opposite, he may yeah, have been yeah, the NCAA champion. Gerald had gotten third, the guy who had beaten me those uh, two times. But the lesson learned with that one, and even before I even say,ing what the lesson learned was, my splits came out exactly what it had to be, 21-200, mm-hmm. through 200, wow. right? And so the lesson learned was, one, is so important to have positive people in your life. Absolutely. Because when I think about when I started to have those moments of doubt, and McKinsey kept saying, two-time NCAA champion, two-time NCAA champion. Two, no matter how good you are, always see how you can get better. And I thought about coming from the indoor championships, Coach Dahl said that we still can get better. Mm-hmm. Let's figure out how to work towards that. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing is you just have to be able to stay focused on your lane no matter what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know. And so at that point it was like, wow. Like every single thing that I went through
0: prepared you for this prepared moment. me for this moment. yo, this is that I mean, I think that's a that's a constant thing that i i I'm able to talk about on this part. And like I tell you guys all the time, right? like I can say it, but when I'm able to like bring someone on and you see like live real 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 time examples of those playing out in people's lives, you know, hopefully it resonates with you and you're able to uh, adhere to the to the principles even more. Right. Because here we are. You know, is coming off being world indoor cha- I mean, uh, NCAA indoor champion uh, going into his outdoor season. Maybe a little boastful, like, you know, like you could p- pound your chest a little bit because you, you got some boasting to do. Um, and I think had you continued winning, you probably wouldn't have listened to like the, the folks around you as like like you probably should have. Right. Mm-hmm. Because. You, you, you know, your response would have been like, you know, I, I, I won indoor championships. I out here, I win it again in outdoors. Okay. Obviously, what I doing is good. I don't think we need to change too much or I, I'm not going to go out that fast because, you know, I trusted my finish the way I trusted it before. Um, but I think we go through all of these setbacks and all of these challenges to prepare us for the moment that we actually needed right because all those other races really didn't matter right they were build-ups to Correct. you running in in the ncaa championships and you know like you say being able to focus on your own lane and you know every, every time we have this conversation and you and you bring up the fact that the guy that came second he came maybe we're not you know, obviously we're not 100 sure right but one of the reasons he could have came second was because when he dipped he was looking in, at you Correct. in your lane and you were focused in your lane, dipping with your head straight, and that's a that's another life principle, right? Focus on your race, focus on your own lane, and don't worry about what's going on around you, right? Because that that can set you back uh, or that can cause you to miss the mark. Um, and I think like that's that's such a, a powerful testament to uh, this first part of your story, right? Because because now coming off of uh, now two time, exactly Sorry. what what Coach two-time Kinsey said, so two time. NCAA champion. And, and again, you know, th- having those individuals around you, I speak a lot about finding mentors and, and having an environment where people encourage you and push you and, and provide you with the mental resources and physical resources that you need to be successful. Like you clearly had that, like you clearly had those people around you and, and they helped push you to, you know, the the places and, and limits that you needed to carry uh, for you to make these, uh, these successful feats in, right. in your race. Um, so coming off two to being a two-time champion now, um, what what how, how did that how did that carry your professional career? Because I'm sure you know you got endorsements coming on. You you about to turn pro now. Your focus is the Olympics. You know how how did things transition from uh, now winning the outdoor championships and going into that Olympic year?
1: Well, from then I had automatically qualified for the Olympics. I just needed to come home to the Bahamian National Trials and get through the trials. Mm -hmm. Um, The negotiations with endorsements started the moment I got off the track, Mm -hmm. you know, and um, so I was able to sign a professional contract with Adidas. And that was the part of being a professional athlete that I never knew. Mm -hmm. Like you have to be in it to experience that. Other universities had professional athletes training around them. So you would see that stuff or you never had that. Mm-hmm. So I had to experience all of this for myself. Um, went to the Olympics. Actually, even before then, came home, uh, qualified for the Olympics, went um, over in Europe. And that was an adjustment for me because mm-hmm. I had to spend two months in Europe in preparation for the Olympics. Training, yep. training traveling, competing. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a great experience, but it's a lonely experience. Yep. All right. And... You know, was there? Went to the Olympics, got a silver medal at the Olympics, and of course, it's like, hey, this is a dream, yeah. But I still have more to do because I'm getting emails from my professors like, hey, class is done, yeah.
0: finish this, work, you gotta finish
1: this <laughs> work, and so you know, I returned to school, um, Olympic medal in hand, and one semester left to complete my my masters, and I ended up getting my master that that December, mm-hmm. and. um, You know, so that was like a dream year for me. Mm -hmm. Two NCAA titles, an Olympic silver medal and a master's degree. Mm -hmm. And like that, that year itself was like truly the epitome of what it was that I believed in from a child. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, fast forward doing the whole professional thing, all that stuff like that, and then just dealing with a bunch of injuries. And even throughout it all, I always kept the faith and the belief that if I really zone in and if I really focus, then I could achieve whatever it is that I need to achieve. Sure. And I kept open-minded about the fact that if things don't work out as planned, that they will eventually work out how they ought to be. Mm-hmm. Because my freshman year, things didn't work out as planned, but look how things worked out. Right. Um, Learn not to put a timeline on those things. It took me, it took me four years, five years, basically, to do what I to did. To achieve your goals. Correct. Yeah. And, you know, I went to school in 2003 going into 2004. There was an Olympics in 2004. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I was thinking that was the Olympics that I'm going to make it to and all that stuff like that. So even now, just kind of as I transition through professional athletics and then outside, uh, you know, other career parts outside of athletics, it's those same principles, those same life lessons that uh, that I continue. used to guide me.
0: Absolutely. And, it, you know, these principles continue to teach you, right? Like, you know, I talk about the three P's to success, right? Uh, positioning, preparation, and promotion. Like, Dreddy positioning himself in the right environment and the preparation period that he went through, regardless of how long it was, it prepared him for the promotion of becoming the two-time NCAA championships, right? So now you into your professional career and you're pegged with numerous injuries and it it started to set you back a lot. Um, Not being able to compete the way you want, not being able to train the way you want. Um, And things didn't, you know, again, things started not to work out the way that you anticipated. Uh, You eventually lost your endorsement. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you had some real life decisions to make, Right. right? Because you got married during that process. You had a kid during your first child during that process um so things you know started you started to realize you had wow a whole lot more responsibilities um i got to make something happen right because it wasn't things wasn't working out the way i wanted them to work out uh in track so so let's talk about you you know that phase now where you're you know you went pro um had uh, you know some good success uh but it just didn't it didn't pan out the way you wanted it to and now you had to kind of transition or figure out What the transition was going to be in this next phase of of your life?
1: Yes, that was I think that phase was probably more depressing than the initial losing my scholarship. That year, or are you? Mm -hmm. Um, Because you know, when I lost my scholarship, I was seventeen. Mommy and daddy still could cover me. (laughs) (laughs) You know, now. Like, I'm a grown man. man. You take care yourself. So, yep. Right? Yep. And so, and so, and it also was depressing because I felt like I still had so much more to accomplish with track and field. Mm-hmm. And, but like you say, decisions had to be made. Thankfully, you know, from just the educational background of, you know, doing my master's, starting my PhD, all that stuff like that, that... I said, "Hey, time to put some of this to work." Mm-hmm. And so I decided to open up uh, my first business, which was a supplement business.
0: So let's 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 talk about why you chose that particular business because it stemmed from what you did in school. Correct.
1: So it stemmed from what I did in school. I had prepared a business plan similar to that. While I was in university. Just
0: haphazardly. No no real intention of me. Yeah, no real
1: intention. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I wish I'd actually put more effort <laughs> into doing it, right? When I look back. You know, you get a class project, yeah. create a business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. I'm familiar with supplements, I'm familiar with all these things. So this is the business that I created. But honestly, I didn't put much effort mm-hmm. into it, right? Mm-hmm. And I had wished I had, and, and and I still did good at I in still got a good grade with it in class. Sure. But I had wished I had actually put more effort into it because when I pulled that business plan out in June of 2012 is when I was told that, hey, the endorsement's coming to an end in September. Mm -hmm. And so at this point now I have a few months to try to figure out how to continue paying these bills, Mm -hmm. right? And so pulled that business plan out, started working towards it, starting putting a lot more time and effort into now trying to make it a complete product. And, um, in July of 2012 was when I actually got everything listed, got it going on. And so from there, I was able to start that business up. Um, and it was a process like anything. You literally grow in something from scratch. And so started the growth of it. And year after year, year after year, this year now makes 11 years of, of entrepreneurship outside of track and field. Mm-hmm. Um, Punk sparked really good in 2017, um, was on track to do very well with track, and then all of a sudden I tore my Achilles. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Lord, with the messages that you're trying to send, mm-hmm. right? But I always looked at it as every setback, use it as an opportunity to set up. And so in 2017, after tearing the Achilles, that's when I started now my health
0: and fitness business. Okay, so you are going fast now. So you started the supplement business. The supplement b- business was doing well. Correct. It was able to help you to support yourself and support mm-hmm. your family, even though, you know, you were going through these injuries with, with your professional career, wasn't able to train and, and run the way you wanted to mm-hmm. and provide for yourself from, you know, producing on the track. Uh, but the supplement uh company was able to to do that for you and assist you with that yes so that was doing good started to run well eventually um but again you were hit with another injury and a, 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 a major injury this time and i've i've, I've you know jerry and i were still maintaining our, our friendship throughout this entire process so you know we were staying in touch we were having a lot of discussions and you know i was aware of like everything that he was doing and supporting him in in every aspect of like every area of what he was uh, uh, performing in, whether it was on the track or, you know, through his business and whatnot. So now you get to the to the point where you're, you yourself were rehabbing. Mm-hmm. And then someone comes up to you and says, Hey, I, uh, and, and keep in mind at this time, you never had a desire to be, no. become a trainer. No, you just had your store Correct. and you were being a, a, a professional athlete Correct. at the time.
1: Correct. So I was quite equipped to, do personal training mm-hmm. if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. For me, I knew the time and the effort that it took. And I always wanted to maintain that flexibility with my time mm-hmm. so that when this Achilles get better, I could get back on the track. Right. right? And one day just doing rehab through my Achilles, I was out at, at, at the gym and this lady came up to me and says, hey, are you a trainer? I said, no. She says, well, I'm looking for a trainer. I want you to be my trainer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I gave her trainers numbers <laughs> And she says, no, I want you to be my trainer. So I went back home that day and I remembered saying, okay, what price would I even charge her? Mm-hmm. I don't know, right? Like what, is, what, is, what does the market dictate here? Mm-hmm. And so I came up with, with a price and I said, okay, if she accepts it, then we'll see. But I don't think she'll accept it. And so I told her, I said, listen, before I even given you a price, meet me at the gym tomorrow. I'll show you some stuff that you could do and then whatever. And she says, what, "What's the price?" So I told her. Mm. She says, "Okay, but I'm gonna meet you." She met me at the gym with the money, right. the exact amount. Right. And I'm like, "Wow, like I'm <laughs> stuck now, right?" <laughs> and so anyway, started so, with that.
0: That's how the training business. That's how the training business officially started, started.
1: Officially started, yep. and yep. then I got a call a few days later from someone else. Hey, Andretti, um, I have a client, a massage client, client and she needs a trainer. Mm. Would you be interested? Okay, cool. Then led to the next, and one thing led to the next, and all of a sudden now I'm managing a handful of clients, mm-hmm. right? At the same time, I'm still only doing this month by month because once this Achilles get better, You're I'm not going to try. Yes. <laughs> and so, but that started to pick up, and the Achilles injury or the recovery was taking longer and longer, right? right? And eventually it got to the point where I'm like, okay, this is picking up track, really nothing's happening right now because I still can't get to compete at the level that I need to be at because of my Achilles. Mm -hmm. The supplement store was trying to figure that out. That obviously, um, you know, was tailoring
0: off. Tailoring off. Yeah.
1: And you and I had a conversation. I think this was coming into the start of 2020. Mm -hmm. And I said, bro, like, I need to figure out how to transition from the supplement thing, how to really pick up with the personal training thing. Right. And you had mentioned
0: going online. So during this period, right, we were, I, and personally, I, uh, well, professionally in my personal life, if that makes sense, um, I was transitioning in from like, you know, having physical standing, uh, places of, uh, uh, points of service for our customers and kind of transitioning things online. Right. So I saw this, this wave of, of online, uh commerce that was coming about and keep in mind this is like at the end of 2019 into 2020 <clears throat> so the pandemic hadn't really set in yet right There was just you know you heard rumors of things going on but nothing was really like pop, that popularized or whatnot um so jerry and i had a conversation he he and at this time like i could see the success Andretti's the in the training aspect of his of what he was doing, right? He was gaining a lot of clients, you know, and m- making some some good money at the time. Uh, so much so that he was, you know, his training company was doing much better than the supplements mm-hmm. company, right? And he had gone through um, a lot of challenges, even with the supplements company, where he opened the second location that didn't work out and lost some money in, in, in that transaction as well. So he was kind of between a rock and a hard place in trying to continue to keep things going and support himself and his family. Uh, so we had this, this conversation and, you know, I, I had told him to, you know, instead of, you know, having this uh, physical standing store, like think about transitioning everything online, right? Because it it's less overhead for you. And so we had that conversation and 2020 happened.
1: 2020 happened.
0: And, you know, things shut started to shut down. And let's, let's talk about how 2020 kind of played out.
1: So, you know, when we started that conversation, I think it was early 2020. Mm-hmm. There was not even a thought about what the pandemic would bring. And, you know, I told you, I said, bro, like, yeah, I don't know even where to start with trying to do something like that online. Mm-hmm. Especially in the Bahamas. You know, Amazon was picking up and really doing well in the U.S., you would hear a person talk about, man, I ordered something today and I received it today, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, But in the Bahamas, we like to go into stores, you know? (laughs) We like to go into stores. And and, and, touch
0: things, yeah.
1: yeah. So you know what? I think the next store around the corner might have a lower (laughs) price, so let me drive there, see, and then whatever. And so for me, I I, I put that honestly in the back of my mind, and I continued operating as I was operating, Mm -hmm the supplement store. And at this time, now even things really becoming even more and more demanding because now I'm also in the process of of building, right? right? Building your home. Correct. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, 2020 came. I mean, the the pandemic finally hit sometime in March. I mean, late February, March, right? The lockdowns, all that stuff like that. Stores and businesses had to close. Mm -hmm. That time, personal training. You know, we had to, we were told to stay away. And so at that point, my son was about to be born.
0: It's your second child. It's my
1: second child. Right, my first son child. was to be born, right? Arya came in 2017, Remy in 2020. And now I'm sitting down home. Son just born <laughs> in April. Haven't worked in about two months.
0: Couple of months, yep.
1: Right. And one day my cousin called and she says, Andretti, I'm looking on Airbnb. And I see where they have Olympian experiences. And she says, I'm only just kind of window shopping, like thinking about what life would be after the pandemic ends. Mm -hmm. She says, but I'm seeing these Olympians and other persons doing online personal training. And she said, I think that I'd be interested in hearing your story and getting a workout from you. Mm -hmm. And I told her, I said, boy, Sharetta, thank you for that advice. Um, I'll look into it. In most cases, I brushed things, I got off. And I did that day, right? And I sat down the next day and the next day, and then two weeks went by and I was like, hold on now, we live in two weeks at a time (laughs) because we're thinking things opening up in two weeks.
0: And they keep pushing it.
1: And so at that point, I looked into it, emailed uh, or got in contact with Airbnb. And, you know, I had to pitch what it was that, like why persons would be interested. Sure. And I did that. They did a, I had to audition um, So basically, I had to go through my entire script, mm-hmm. my story, my workouts, all that stuff like that. And they fell in love with it. Mm-hmm. And I went live that next week. Mm-hmm. And now, all of a sudden, I'm sitting at home and Stay making money.
0: Making money. Making good money, too, right? And doing business, a, glo- glo- a global Globally, business. Right? Yep. Mm-hmm.
1: And so, at that point, I said, okay, I need to build a website now. I need to do all this stuff because all it is... All of my clients, now that I'm getting through Airbnb, I need to figure out when Airbnb ever stops this, how I could funnel that through my own website. And that's where I started to say, okay, you know what? I'll even take now the um, supplement store online and do all of this stuff online, right? And so that actually birthed the transition to online. So even though you had told me about that months prior, I couldn't figure out how to do it. And not just... I wasn't taking the time to figure out mm. because my back wasn't against the wall enough. Yeah.
0: you know that like, like in one of my, last, my one of my parts, I say sometimes we need a push, right? right? We may have all the information and be well equipped to do things, but we need that extra push. And, and you know, like Jordy said, we need to have our backs against the wall sometimes to where it's either flight or uh, flight or fright. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what what, what you had to yeah. do in the situation. Yeah. Sink or swim for yeah. me, right? Yeah,
1: and. So all of a sudden now that started to do well. Um, And I remember things started to open up again and we were able to get back into, you know, daily activities, normal daily activities. And at this point, you know, the online business going well with Airbnb, doing some online personal training, getting back into my in-person. My clients couldn't wait for us to get back into it, Mm -hmm. selling the supplements online and the Achilles started to get a little bit better where I could get back on the track. Yeah. So now I'm on the track, and I remembered such a disappointing race. It was like my first race back. Mm. And I'm sitting there and just couldn't go to bed that night. Mm. You know, like, jeez. And all of a sudden, I got a ping, an email ping. And when I look, it was a Google book-in.
0: Mm.
1: New client. New client. 500 <laughs> uh, virtual session for 500 um of their employees, right? Throughout all their 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 um locations. their locations, mm-hmm. right? Globally. Mm-hmm. And when I saw what the payment was, mm-hmm. I was like
0: to feel when is so the
1: last time we make this type of money in trap. <laughs> and I ran and sleep over track right now. <laughs> and so oh, and okay. so it really opened my eyes, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it helped me even to transition even to the process with track where I fell back in love for track for the joy of running mm-hmm. and not necessarily because for the of the need, correct? Right, and so at that point, I just started to just dive in head first with really growing the business. And, um, so
0: much like, so that my boy now has a, a he, no, nah, he, he don't. we I can talk all your business, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> I can talk all your business, bro. But he's really growing a successful business, right? We talking six figures, right? And you know, seeing where he came from to, to where Dreddy is now, uh, man is so commendable and, and it I'm, I'm really proud you you stay on track, right? I'm, I'm you know you're, you know, the way that you have gone through your obstacles and came through them on top. Encourages me when I meet those similar obstacles and I'm sure I'm hopeful that it'll encu- it, it will encourage our audience as well Um to grow a, a business that was just uh, a happenstance mm-hmm. meet with a lady that wanted you to train and was adamant about you training to now you're you you're able to service clients around the world Absolutely, from here in the Bahamas from humble beginnings and making some good money while doing it.
1: Yeah, and that's something that I'm extremely grateful for, right? And I look back at it, I remember um, my first client, the bill that I gave her was $200, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I made $200 that first week, and then that month, I think I probably cleared like $1,000, mm-hmm. and I was feeling great, like this extra grand, this 12 grand a year, <laughs> you know, this thing. And now to see where the business is at now,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and... You know, it's at the point where, thankfully, like sometimes I don't have enough time for all the clients. Like, every yeah, clients, really like Literally, you know. Yeah. And But then not just that. It's not even for the money for me any, anymore. But it's never really been that. It's always been the purpose behind it. Sure. You know, in, in in this field in health and fitness, you know, the greater majority are the ones who are concerned about that body image. Mm-hmm. Um, I really don't do much advertising with my health and fitness business Mm -hmm. because the word of mouth and the referrals that I get from my clients, Mm -hmm. that speaks for me, right? And like I try to stay away. Yeah, it's okay. I have clients who want to fit in this dress, whatever like that. But most of my clients now, I try to let them see purpose for what it is that they're doing, right? right? Persons who could tell me, hey, you know what? The doctor tells me I need surgery if I'm going to ever be able to do a squat again, Mm -hmm because my core is too weak. I don't want surgery and ready, can you help me? Mm, and mm. we're going through that process and all of a sudden, they're doing all of these things without the need of surgery. Mm. And so, it's like just kind of finding those life lessons and just the purpose behind a lot of that stuff, mm. right? Mm. And being able to, to help persons to get beyond the artificial or the superficial. Mm. I think that's the biggest enjoyment that I get with my health and fitness business. And then, honestly, it's just my dad always says, Positioning and relationships. Position yourself to where any opportunity that becomes available, you'll be prepared for it and build the right relationships so that when those opportunities come, people could be able to say, I refer and ready. Right. And even when I think about now, like what comes about or what came about with... Paul Roberts University, and mm-hmm. you know the consultant.
0: And again, so that's that's where that's where this culminates, right? Because it comes full circle. So you have grown this successful training uh, business. You, you a global trainer at this point. ORU comes knocking and says, "Hey, Dreddy, you know we have we have you on a short list of individuals that we want to bring back to uh, become one of the coaches of our of our track program." Uh, so let's let's talk about that that conversation and. You know, the decision now that you've made to to join the coaching staff at ORU.
1: So last year, last May, the former coach, uh, Coach Dial, decided that he was going to step down. Mm-hmm. And um, I went up to visit, always kept in contact with ORU, with him, all that stuff like that the track him. And um, I got a call about a week after saying exactly what you said, like, hey, we're looking to transition the program. We want to know if you'd be interested in, in joining our coaching staff. Mm-hmm. I was flattered. I was honored. It was something that I never saw happening because that was in a goal of mine. Right. And um, like with any opportunity, you would take the time to think and consider. Mm-hmm. And I thought about it, and I felt like moving to Tulsa permanently wasn't In the cards for me right now Mm -hmm. there's a lot going on with my health and fitness business there's a lot going on with my family down here Mm -hmm. and you know we 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 came to an agreement that would allow me to come on as a consultant and an assistant uh to the head coach coach alec now and um i mean it's been a blessing ever since Mm -hmm. like a year ago i would have never thought and even when i when i sit back and i look at it and i think about 2012 when i was trying to transition between career parts with track and other things. And just to quickly touch on it, even the situation with my, with my dad, like I wanted to go and work for my dad.
0: Yeah, because your dad has a, 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 a pharmaceutical com- yeah. company. He has his own pharmacy. pharmacy store. And it's a suc- successful pharmacy here in the Bahamas. Yes. And been doing well for years. And before you considered opening your own business, you first considered working along with your dad, and your dad was like, nah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Nah. So, you know, dog pharmacy is a household name in the Bahamas, Absolutely. 30 plus years. And, you know, I'm thinking, man, even throughout all my life, I always thought of that as my fallback. Like, when i done with track, I'm going to go work at Docks, <laughs> right? I'm going to take over dogs.
0: The family business. The
1: family business. Yeah. And... You know, I told my dad, I said, listen, I get three months to transition now from track and got to figure out what else to do. Mm-hmm. I come into work at the pharmacy. Uh, three times, my dad basically turned me away, mm-hmm. right? And I couldn't understand it. And when I look back now, I could say that I'm glad that he actually did. The same as with ORU, I'm glad that I lost my scholarship that first year. I'm glad that my dad never gave me that opportunity at the time to say, come into the pharmacy, because I may have settled, mm-hmm. you know, I may have settled for just running the family business, but because of that, it forced me to really think outside the box, push, try to create my own brand, my own businesses and all that stuff. And so when ORU came along, I felt great about the opportunity, but I felt like the timing just wasn't right mm-hmm. to go into that full time. right? And so, I mean, it, it, it's great that, they've decided to accept, I guess, what you would consider a offer in mm-hmm. terms of a hey, consultant and assistant to, to the head coach, Coach Alec. And so I'm able now to balance my time between my health and fitness business here in the mm-hmm. Bahamas and then spending time up there at All Roberts with the track team now. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And, you know, who knows? One, one day you may possibly be able to take over the, the program and become the head coach yourself. But, you know, I'm just, I just putting that out there. <laughs> we, ain't, we ain't got to, you know, you, you you don't have to say nothing about that. I just kind of putting that in the air.
1: Eventually, but. right now, Coach Alec doing a great job. Yeah, um, I'm glad to be in the role that I'm in to support him and and ensure that we're achieving, you know, the goals and the mission of the team. Mm-hmm. And you know, I told him for as long as he's in that position, I'm going to support him as best as I can. Mm-hmm. And you know, whenever he decides to retire from that position then we'll reconsider. Mm-hmm. But for right now, my job is just to support him as best as I can.
0: Nah, man, that's awesome. Right. I think this story, you know, starting with ORU and now ending with ORU and you go in, uh, being a consultant on the program to the coaching staff. I'm, I I think it, it's just a testament to what life is. Right. Life is not this linear, linear line that takes us from uh, birth to death. Right. It, it's it's lined with, with with highs and lows, with obstacles, with ups and downs. All these twists and turns that we go through, but everything is preparing us for the next phase, right? The next step in our life, and I think we have to, you know, like like Jeredi said, we we have to change our mindset, or we have to have a certain mindset when we're thinking about. Uh, the decisions that we that we face, the 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 things that we want to accomplish, or even the setbacks that we're experiencing, right? How am how am I going to respond to this setback? What mindset am I going to have? Am I going to look at this as a defeat? Or am I am I going to look at this as a lesson that I can learn, I can learn from and you know, push myself towards being able to overcome it. Um, And, you know, I I think this story is great, man. Dreddy, I am proud of you. I'm, I'm proud of the things that you've been able to accomplish both professionally in, uh, athletics and in your, in your businesses, man, I, you know, I, i off, uh, my wife and, and I are great friends with your family. Um, uh, your extended family as well, like your, your mother's, your parents and, and your wife's parents and family as well. You know, I, I just, I, I love the, the, the fact that, you know, I've seen your story progress uh, and just proud of, of what you've been able to accomplish, man. I
1: appreciate you, bro. And one of the things that I could say is you've always been, you know, a role model for me even as a friend. We don't find that too often within our friendships. Mm-hmm. You know, we see that with adults. Mm-hmm. But I've always, um, you know, seeked you for guidance and counsel and all that stuff like that just mm-hmm. in regards to, hey, bro, like, what do you think about this, all that stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so I've always appreciated that and, and definitely proud of what it is that you're doing. And growing your business and all that stuff, of course, with you and Sharice doing as well. And so you keep it up as well.
0: Thank you, man. I appreciate it. I have appreciate two questions. Sure.
2: Um, Dreddy, how do you think life would have turned out for you had you gone to South Carolina? And do you think if you had not had your injury, um, how would, if you had not had your injury and you'd gone back to the Olympics and to professional running professionally, how do you think that would have affected your? trajectory into the businesses and coaching and where you are right now?
1: I think I still would have become a, I, I think I would have won NCS at South Carolina. The impact of winning NCS at ORU compared to South Carolina would have been totally different. Mm. South Carolina had multiple NCAA championships. ORU only had one at a time. And so the opportunities, the networks, the relationships that I've been able to build become an NCAA champion at ORU, um, I think those opportunities would have been uh, bigger than what I would have gotten had I gone to South Carolina. Uh, and So I don't regret not going to South Carolina. I think it comes back to what my dad said, like, you be the first. Mm. Because the first would always be appreciated much more than another, okay. right?
0: It's a much better story anyway. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um In regards to the injuries and all that stuff, had I been focusing a little bit more on track and field, I know for a fact I would not have been where I am right now with my health and fitness business, with my um, coaching career at ORU. I I would not have dedicated the time to that because of the amount of time that it takes to focus on being a full-time professional athlete. And this here is something that I can do for the remainder of my life. Whereas track and field sports, it's such a short window. Mm-hmm. And I see that now with a lot of my counterparts whereby um, they are transitioning. Trying to figure it trying out. Trying to figure it out, <laughs> yep. you know.
0: And you so, weigh ahead.
1: Yes, yeah. yes. So, you know, when I look back at, at it, everything worked out exactly how they needed to work out Absolutely. for my benefit.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, that's great, man. And, and, you know, that's a principle in and of itself, right? Run your race right? Your race isn't going to be like anyone else's own. It's for you to run. And, you know, th- there needs to be decisions that you make that uh, you're not just thinking about now, you're thinking about your future. Um, and, and everything that you go through is preparing you for each phase of your life. All right. So we've come to the, the portion of the, the part now where I ask each guest um, a particular question, a leaving question. And this is something new that I've just started ready. Um, So you're the second person that has gotten this question. uh, And that question is, what does success mean to you? And that's a question I want you to answer for myself and our audience.
1: Success means finding purpose in whatever it is that you're doing. Mm. Uh, Oftentimes, we put a dollar amount on success, and that's not the case. Mm. And so if you find purpose in what it is that you're doing, I think you're successful.
0: There you have it. So finding success. Or success is finding purpose in what you're doing, and we all know how important purpose is. Finding out the why for your life. All right, appreciate that, Dreddy. Thanks, Dreddy. So you know, let's 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 give everyone some contacts if they want to get in touch with you, because I know your business is global now. So if we got international listeners that may want to you know do a training session or get some supplements or anything, let's let's give folks some some contacts that you can uh, so like they can get in touch with you.
1: Everything goes through andreddybane.com. That's A-N-D-R-E-T-T-I-B-A-I-N.com. Um, all the information from my online experiences, uh, in-person, personal training supplements, everything goes through that. Email is info at AndrettiBain.com. Just by a search of AndrettiBean, you could find an in-person or virtual training session here in the Bahamas, and that's through Airbnb as well.
0: Awesome. So if you're ever coming into the, coming to the Bahamas or you live in the Bahamas uh, and you want to do a training session or an in-person training session, AndrettiBand.com guys. Um, Andretti is here for you. I, I love the principles that you shared. And I just I think it echoes the, the theme of, of this part. So I, I, I really appreciate it. All right. So this is a portion of the part. Now I leave with you a milestone, something that you can take and tangibly apply to your life. And the milestone uh, today comes from the life book, as I call it, from Ecclesiastes. And it says, the race is not to the swiftest, but it's to those that endures to the end. Um, We go through a lot of challenges, a lot of obstacles in our life. It's not about, life isn't about who finishes first. It's about who finishes, right? So let's focus on finishing. Understand that it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be an easy race, right? We're going to have challenges, Um, but stay on track, you know, and endure to the end of your race and focus on your own race. Don't worry about anybody else. All right. All right. So this is the end, brings us to the end of the pod. Dreddy, thank you again for joining us, man. I appreciate you coming on and telling your story. As you guys know, the purpose and goal of this pod is to always entertain, educate, and elevate you miles high above your fears, your doubts, And any limitations that you may think exist, always knowing that those limitations only exist in your mind. So until next time, you guys stay blessed.